Let's uh, read on page five of, uh, of your scriptures. Again, we're doing a sermon series on American Idols and we're doing sexuality today. And we're going to be in Genesis 19. Okay, it's kind of, it's a little bit long, but uh, keep to it. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up and to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go to, go your way early in the morning. No, the answer we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never never slept with a man. Let Let me bring them to you, and you can do what you like with them. But don't go any, don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied, and they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to break down the door. But, uh, but the men uh, inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so so great that he he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, "Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, uh, who who are here, or or you will be swept away with the city and when the city is punished." When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand with the hands of his wife and and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, "Flee for your lives! Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, or you'll be swept away." But Lot said to them, No, my lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. The disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. Look, he, look here's a town near enough to run uh, to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of. But flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord from the Lord of, out of the heavens. Now we're going to skip down to 29, the last uh, two lines. Verse 29. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church. And, you know, when I watched that video this morning, I I just wanted to see more. You know, that's a sign of a good video. When you see the first three minutes, you want to know what happens. Um, When can we see the, uh, the, that was just the movie trailer. When can we see the whole thing? 
We have to finish producing them? Okay, all right. Um, I went to a conference, and you go to these conferences, you know, how to make your church cool and all that kind of stuff. And one thing I came away with was, like, I was really excited about, hey, we need to have some multimedia in the church service. We need to have some movies, some videos, you know, show some things. And so we got together at Linda Otzenberger, um, who has background in that kind of stuff, who works in that industry. She's a producer and um, television producer. And so... She was like, yeah, that's nice and boring. Why don't we doc- do documentaries and, 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 and put out DVDs and do films on issues? I'm like, yeah, right. Next thing you know, they in Nairobi. Um, so the Lord is good and, and, and really um, growing and stretching and our people and using their gifts and um, really appreciate that. We're going to cover a pretty big one today. We're going to devote one sermon, which I had a hard time just devoting one sermon, to what I would, I've heard described as one of the big three. You know, sex is, sex is one of the big three of sex, power, and money. So with that said, um, this is not an exhaustive look at it. When I began studying about, you know, what to say this morning, I ended up with three outlines and three different angles and three different texts, just about three different sermons on one page. Exploring this issue is not like jumping into the pool. It's like taking a dip in the ocean. An ocean of currents on the topic of sexuality, different strokes, different folks. But we... We'll take a dip on a very familiar shore, if you will. Very familiar to some, even if you've never really studied the Bible deeply. You've heard about Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is popular partly because it is a text that is responsible for many shipwrecked faiths. Faiths of of sermons of of fire and brimstone. Yes, this is the text where that wording, fire and brimstone, originally comes from. And it has driven us, crashing some of us, if you will, into the rocks of self-righteousness and and fundamentalism and and fear-driven behavioral change of morality. But when I decided that we would look at this historically troubling passage, I saw what I hope you will see. A life raft, a buoy, a way and a place of freedom and of hope and of healing in this issue. We all live there. We all have suffered there. We all fight to stay alive there. We've all sought healing and prosperity there. Even you believers, Christians with a promised land and Lord in sight, you say, you, you live there and say, you, you know, we're just visiting. This place is a city in a city. It's a place in our homes and in our hearts and in the corners of our lives and our motivations and the closets. It's a city around the city. It's consuming and saturating our communities with its help, with its offer of its ministry. It it offers us comfort and security and warmth and shelter. It's a rest stop and loneliness. It's idol king. It's Lord. Its main resource is sexuality. 
like Walmart, high gas prices in Bojangles, it will find where you live. It will promise to give and have everything you want. It will be what you need to get by and keep going, but it will drain you. It is bigger than you. It is irresistibly a part of your world. It's sexuality in a place that we will metaphorically refer to as sex city. It is the continuing spirit of that surreal, but but once real place we read about this morning in the scripture, Sodom and Gomorrah, and we are its lots. Stopping just short of the promised land, because this place promised hope and help and prosperity. Yes, Uncle Abraham, righteous Abe, has God on his side, but Lot wants to do his own thing. He can see this city's potential while Uncle Abe has yet to see this so-called promised land that God is going to give him. And Lot, kind of thinking himself uh, an honest citizen, becomes a slave and victim of the city's lust and perversity. And, and how can I describe it when I read this text? I'm like, it's like one of those zombie movies where, where once was a safe place, a mall or a, a neighborhood becomes a danger spot. And for Lot and us, what is good sexuality has been transformed into what is dangerous and enslaving to us. What makes it so dangerous? How can something so good, how can something created by God make us so helpless to to bring us to fall? What or who will save us out of it? Can you and I really be survivors of sex city? Tell you something about Lot. Lot's a good man. He's, the Bible says he's at the city gates. He's an upstanding citizen of sorts. And like a good man, he invites, as was the custom in the day where they didn't have hotels, he invites these strangers who are in the city courts to stay the night in his house. And imagine he gets them in and, you know, maybe has a little meal and they're sitting around talking right before, you know, you know, people start getting sleepy and they start yawning. And they're about to go to bed. And then there is this knock at the door and outside the door is this mobbing noise. It is literally half the city at his door. And they have this request. Bring the guests out. We want to have sex with them. And the Bible says it was funny because you're talking about a mob. It says all the men of the city, young and old, were outside of the door saying, hey, those two guys you brought in, bring them out. Word had gotten out in the city that Lot had some new and real potential staying with them. He had some freshmen that needed some hazing. He had some weaklings that would be easy and fun. They had found Lot's weakness. They found his insecurity. He wants to be a righteous host. He doesn't want to be humiliated in his inability to help them. And so his guests become his new place of protection and insecurity and weakness. And here knocking at the door is this crazy, perverse mob. Regardless of where or how we think we live like Lot, the idol of sexuality will find us. 
It comes right to our door. It seems to find us right where we live. It finds where we are insecure and what we are protecting and what we are hiding and where we are tender and where we are weak and where we've been hurt. And it comes in so many forms as man or woman or machine or fantasy, all kinds of sexual relationships or pornography or voyeurism. I'm going to let y'all fill in the rest but of the blanks. And, and it can be offered and forced upon us by friends and family and even those who love us. It finds us. It finds us feeling lonely. It finds us feeling not as attractive as everybody else. It finds us kind of wanting to be in power and control after we've lived a life of being wrongfully manipulated. It finds those physical issues in your body. It, it kind of senses and sees that, that behind the door of your heart or in your body are these imbalanced chemicals and hormones. It, it, it comes to the doors even of your marital relationships. You know, your husband, he doesn't give that romantic feeling anymore. And man, those books, man, they just take you away to the real romantic love on the mountainside. I've heard this. Boy, man, it was so much more intense and fun when we were dating. And now that we got married, what happened? Things just seemed to go flat. Sometimes it comes to your door in a deceptive form, posing as a friend or, you know, we just friends. Let's, let's just hang out a little bit more. Some terrible situations. I remember this, uh, we, we had a conference and, and, and one of the men who did the conference said that, that he was a, uh, 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 grew up and his dad never hugged him, never loved him, right? And so he had this deep seated hurt in heart because his father never showed him any affection and the story goes this way imagine this he goes to church to get help and it was one of the ministers i don't know who it was maybe the, i don't know and 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 he tells the story he said one day he was hurting and, and and having a hard time and one of the ministers came up and gave him a hug and he said this, that man's arms felt good, y'all. And a hug became more and more and more. Maybe it's a guy that acts like, I'm just going to be a big brother. Well, I'm going to watch over you, you know, I'm going to take care of you. Or maybe it invaded your tech. You were on the sports website. And then all of a sudden, pop, the bathing suited girl pops up. Or maybe it found you in your family silence or ignorance or malice. You know, it found you as a child. You were innocent. And someone took advantage of you in your innocence. Mom and daddy, they, they got cable. And they didn't realize what was on channel 98 through 102. But you did. Uncle Jesse left his magazines out. That babysitter that you had to go to every single time and mama had to go away. Your goody two-shoes parents told you it was nasty and wrong to feel that way. Oh, mama and daddy never talked to you about it. It was taboo. And now in college, like Aladdin, it's a whole new world opened up. Pouring and filling in the ignorance. You were the latchkey kid. 
And man, the stories of those times between getting home from school and mom and daddy coming home. It is pervasive. It it hunts. it, It finds. Let me tell you, it fits. It fills where you're hurting. It, it finds your door. It comes right to the door of your life and it finds and it smells and it senses the weak places. And so having found Lot and his weakness of his guests, his sense of hospitality, his wanting to be in Sodom, the Bible says that Lot goes out to fight it off. To kind of reason with the mob. Now, can you see him? You know, the Bible says all the men of the city were there, young and old, strong and weak. They all were there. And he says, the Bible says they, they, they come out in there. They wanted, they, Lot, let these, send those guys out. And the Bible says Lot goes out and he closes the door behind them. To reason with the mob, to face them one-on-one. And I don't know whether the problem with the situation is as obvious to you as it was to me when I read this, but Lot is alone. He is right where and what the mob wants. One man, as they say, one foreigner, one silly tourist, far away from home, about to get his wallet snatched out of his loose back pocket. And the mob seems to find strength in the fact that this one little man is there between what they want and he is protecting. What we see is that the idol of sexuality thrives on you and me being alone. Alone in it. Nobody else knowing what's, what's really going on in your heart, in your mind. No one really else there to help you in your struggle. And it's not just alone, but more distinctly, trying to battle alone. I mean, look what they say here. The Bible says, after he tries to reason with them, and he says, it says, get out of our way. And they said, this fellow came out here as an alien. Now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. If you are all that separates us, Lot, we're more powerful than you. You can't hold us off. We are unstoppable. The idol of sexuality loves the strong. I am standing at the door of my heart and life. It's my body. I can do and handle it. I'm grown. I'm autonomous. It's not that bad. It loves that I can handle it sort of person who stands outside the door of their hearts and thinks they can handle it. We talked about autonomy and voyeurs in the last two sermons. And this fits right in after these. The idol of sexuality more often than not finds you and feeds on you while alone and in the dark with your own sense of morality and means and plans of surviving let me tell you what it looks like and feels like before right before you get your door knocked down by this idol it feels like a lot i i I don't want anybody to know my guest i I don't want to be embarrassed 
I don't want to be humiliated by what I'm feeling. I don't want to be found to be the one that's not as righteous. I don't want to be unable to follow through on the promises and persona that I've set up about myself. I must take personal action against the things and not mess up my reputation or how I feel about myself or admit that I cannot be the good little righteous man or woman I thought I could be. I am weak and unable and I can't admit that this is happening to me or it happened to me. I can't handle the guilt. So I don't want anybody else to know. So I'll just try to handle it on my own. And you and I, with a mob of sexuality of our doors, live believing these things. You are the only one who can understand your complex sexual situation. Nobody else gets it. Or there's a fear of your wife and friends rejecting you. We say and think stuff like, all right, I mess up this time, but boy, I feel so much more confident about saying no the next time. Or these feelings are embarrassing and demeaning. I mean, or everybody, though I've talked to nobody about it, is going through this so though I'm not so bad, so that anybody else needs to really know. You are the only one Between you and your TV or internet or relationship with that person, you are the only voice you can hear in this area. Or the other voices you hear, they're in stereo and harmony with your own. You know, you really feel like you've done a pretty good job managing it. Without it getting out. Without it getting in. My temptations and struggles and hurts and pains and scars, you say this, they are in the safe room of my heart. And I am the only one with the combination. I can handle it. I can manage it. Alone, found by the mob, Lot can't hold back the sheer power and diversity of the crowd. And he breaks. What's he say? You can have my daughters. They've never been with a man. Let me, let me, let me protect my hurts and my pains and struggles and my weaknesses. Let me give you my daughters. And what we see from Lot's words and offering is this, that the idol of sexuality thrives on its potency. What am I saying? Like Lot, it will break us if we're alone. It, it makes us succumb somewhere, somehow, in some way. We will begin to sacrifice things to the idol. So what do we do? Like Lot. The not so bad things. Okay. Just Victoria's Secrets catalog, but not that hardcore stuff. I'm reading the stories. I'm not looking at the pictures. Okay. Let's see how far, you know, it's amazing when, you know, when people are dating, how far can we go? It's love, y'all. We sincere and committed to each other and before God. So, okay, only at work, but never at home. It's a medical problem. So let me do some healing. Or, man, it's human. I see nothing wrong with a little, you know, you get it. Or like Lot, we begin to sacrifice stuff in our breakdown as it gets to us. Let's sacrifice God. Okay, he made us like this. It's his problem for making me single this long with these desires. And I prayed about it and prayed about it. So it's his fault. So forget it. Some of us make society or music the problem. It's ludicrous's fault. It's the lyrics. 
Let's sacrifice him. Let's put him out in the street. He's the reason for our issue. Or it's that Bill Clinton. Or it's that Gore for inventing the web. Or let's move to the suburbs away from the problem or to where all the conservatives are. And sadly, let's make women the problem. Let's sacrifice them to the idol. Let's make the conversation an issue about how they need to cover up and bind stuff down and not wear their hair all long and open in public. It's their fault. Or let's sacrifice the men. All men and guys are the problem. All men are dogs. We need all men to go through the de-sex boot camp. (laughs) Or what do we do? We sacrifice dating. Dating is the problem. Yeah, that's it. Let's kind of come up with some new formula of dating where it can be perfect and nobody messes up. Man, I've been in those plenty of times. That don't work. We talked about the co-ed youth trips. Come on. Pastor George and I were talking. We were like, we, I don't know about having no co-ed youth trips. Well, we've got two chaperones. Yeah, right. Got all the Christian kids together. We good. And unfortunately, some of, of you have been in campus or, or campus or church ministries who step in and control and kind of make dating legalistic out of their own immature fears. They kind of try to match you up and tell you who you should date. And this one's not mature and they won't force you to do it. And this one's this way and they're so clean and pure. And it ends up making the group a meat market or Christian stud service. Some type of Christian breeding kennel. And it's just as bad. You need to date this one. I tell you what, we, we could get these college kids under control if we match them up. Here I am, I'm 19, I'm the campus lead, I'm going to match folk up because I know. you just matching them up for trouble. And some will make the institution of marriage and the Bible beaters the problem. You know, marriage and Christianity's bondage on this country and world, it holds back sexual freedom and it makes us feel guilty. We just want to break free and do what we, it makes us feel like, well, this sexuality thing is so wrong and we shouldn't do it. So guess what? Let's sacrifice those group of people. No more marriage, no more God, Jesus stuff. It just creates too much condemnation and too much bondage. Or some of you will make yourself the sacrifice, especially you women going back to this. You think the reason why you were violated or the reason why people are struggling is because you look so pretty. And some of you say, no more makeup. You wear frumpy clothing. You're trying to look ugly. You think I'm joking. I've been in these worlds. I've seen it. You're trying to look bad. You look good. you got some nice looking eyes. But you want to cover it up. You want to make sure. Because you're the problem. You've been convinced that the way to stop this whole issue, and not to say that these things don't play a part. I'm, I'm not trying to say that there are some ways uh, that, that we each can help the issue and personally. But somehow you feel like if you can look as ugly as you could. I mean, you know, I, I, shh. Someone's like, man, if we just could all dressed like they do over in the Middle East, you know, just like that. Man, that don't work either. And some are have sacrificed your own married sexual lives. 
It's just boring and unhealthily infrequent. Some of us have given up on good, central, married people sex that God has given us. Because we are broken by it and don't want to admit that. There's no freedom to feel. There's no freedom to feel in lovemaking because of all the issues that have hurt and, and done you wrong in the past. And so you're trying to escape the feelings of the rest. And I'm not talking about something easy, okay, let's just fix it. Uh, but I'm saying sometimes we try to use no to our husbands or wives as a way to try to fix the problem. And some of us on the other sacrificial extreme, we say, okay, I will give them my body, but I can hold on to my soul. I will give up my purity, my dignity, just a little bit. bit. Maybe I can play a game and get them to like me or love me. In the end, we sacrifice the beauty and specialness of the act. Just make it an animalistic or behavioristic. It's just sex. Come on. It's just body and chemistry. It's natural. And even uh, back to the married sex is just that. It's just for convention. It's just for the act. And, and, and some of you feel this. I'm already ruined and run through and damaged and addicted. I am trash. So go ahead and treat me like trash. I've been around the so many times I just should go ahead and become a taxi for people's sexual whims. And here's the problem. What again do they say to Lot after he sacrifices his own daughter? After he thinks he can heal and fix the problem by putting them out there. It'll appease it. It'll fix it. They say what? Move aside. We don't want your daughters. We don't want what we want what you're protecting. We want the weakness. We want your heart. We want your reputation. You're trying to uphold as a good host and a holy man. What are they saying? We won't be appeased and you cannot fulfill your issues with your little offerings, your attempts to fix it. The idol of sex, like other idols, will not be appeased in your own self-righteous ways. Your little sacrifices won't stop it. You can't self-reason with it. You can't kind of give it a little bit here or there, manage it into a dark corner of a separate lifestyle, kind of managing it up a little bit. It will find and feed off your history of sexual abuse. It will not stop until it fuels on your fear of rejection. It will not stop until it finds your feelings and fears that you are not quite like the other guys and girls. And like... Fake oxygen, like a carbon monoxide, it feels like it gives you life for all the death within. But it won't heal and it won't fix. So I begin to look at this thing and think about our culture and think about our world. I'm I'm, I'm just putting this talk together. I'm just kind of thinking through it. I'm feeling like the mob's right there too. I'm thinking, ain't no way out of this. We're too broken. We're too torn. We're too guilty. We've done too many wrong things. We've fought too many wrong thoughts. There's no way to fix it. The church has messed it up. The world has messed it up. It's just so messed up. We, and I thought, okay, we need help. We need what Lot needed and got. We need mercy. We need God's grace. We need some real forgiveness. 
We need some real power against this pervasive, pervasive and potent issue. Lot didn't know what we who read the passage before this one may know about his visitors. The ones he was trying to keep from getting molested, they, they happened to be angels sent by God to help Lot. The Bible says that Lot was, was standing in front of the mob alone, giving in and making allowances and appeasing it. And that the two men grabbed him and pulled him inside. The, the King James Version said they snatched Lot up. They grabbed him by the collar and said, are you crazy? There is no way you can handle this problem alone. And then they do this powerful thing and they blind the sex mom so they can no longer find the door and led Lot and his family out of the city because the city, Sodom, was going to be destroyed by God. But look at verse 16. Look what happens here. It says this. When he hesitated, The men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out the city for the Lord was merciful to them. Mercy, forgiveness, grace, God's power lent a strong hand to grab Lot and his family. I mean, you know, I think about the, the hard things and I, I wonder how are my boys ever going to live in this world? I, I worry about Harrison and Clark and I think there's no way they're going to escape it. They're, they're, they're sitting ducks, man. I, maybe I should just lock them up in, in the house somewhere. But if I lock them up, it'll find them somewhere in there. They'll find something, some way. And, and I'm thinking, how is it going to happen? And the Bible says he not only grabbed Lot, but he grabbed his daughters too. That mercy shown to Lot, it, it, it trickled down into his family. And, 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 and hear the good news for us. The Lord has sent help to our city. To where and how we struggle sexually. And it comes like these messengers to bring a message. It's a means to snatch us out. And, and you know, they're conventional ways that, that you've heard all along. That, that we have the scripture. That God is snatching us out of our way of thinking. In the way of living. And he's given us his word to give us direction. And give us hope through the message of the gospel. We, we have the church. And, and, and within there's fellowship. And so the, the ways you try to be alone in it. The Lord says, I've sent a message. I've sent help to your city so that you don't fight this thing alone. You need accountability. You need people to, to pray with you. You need people to hear your story. You need people to love on you in ways that are pure. You need the fellowship offered by God. But more than that, the Bible says that we have prayer, that we can cry out to God when we can't handle it ourselves. And these things say exactly what these angels communicated to Lot. You need God's mercy and forgiveness. You need a, how can I put it? You need a magical, powerful something called the gospel. And it says this, that we are sinners and Jesus is a friend. He's a help. He's a savior of sinners in a sinful world. It says to us, and this is what the gospel says, you can't fix it. You can't protect it. You can't settle your problem. You can't heal all the ways you were violated and hurt. You can't do it. You can't run from it. You can't behave good enough. 
You can't have enough sex. You not you cannot have enough sex. You cannot be as bad as a be. You can't be good enough, or you can't be good enough not to let it get to your children or wife or in your job. We like Lot need a snatching and guiding mercy from heaven to help us. But what makes these things powerful? Man, I don't know how many sermons I've heard on the same thing. Just say no. Just don't do it. Just stop. Yeah, just put the purity ring on. Yeah, that's it. Sign the contract. We need to send the kids away on that. Oh, you know, they're going to talk about sex at that youth retreat. Send them away and when they get back, oh, they'll be fixed. I can scare you. We can talk about how diseases out there can get you. I can tell you, you know, hey, you don't want to mess up your career. We are resonance, appeasers, victims, and victimizers of the sexual idol. We're damaged goods. We're molested and marred and mixed up. We're confused by sheer power and pervasive. And God has sent an advocate to the city. See, God has sent help. Let me tell you the difference here. Here's the gospel. God has not tried to call us out of it by calling us to do some self-righteous kind of behavior changing thing. He's not hoping that one day you will find the light and you will walk out the city. No, no, no. To, 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 with a bunch of don't do's and, and, you know, just wrap it up or whatever we got. The Bible says this. He has come into our world. He's come to our condition. He's come into Sex City. He's come as a guest like these guests, but more. Now, the story doesn't go as deep and intricate as what the whole story of the Bible tells us about Jesus. But I will tell you what the sequel of Jesus' life and death tells us about the meaning of this story. He, Jesus, came to Sex City to get you and me to be a guest and moved us out of the way. And he received the full molestation and marring and embarrassment and demoralizing nature of sexual sin that was due us. And in doing so, he made it blind that though we may be damaged, if we are Jesus's in him, we are hidden to its attempts to actually destroy us, to kill our souls, to take our final dignity away and, and, and to make sex something bad. And unlike Lot, for our sins, Jesus did not escape the city, but he stayed and received the condemnation of those who are his people who live there and in his condemnation on the cross for our sins we were set free you and I need Jesus we need to look to Jesus to snatch us again and again 
out of a place where we are alone, fighting alone, out of a place and pleasure that is bigger, out of a condemnation for guilty things we have done. And he says, I forgive you. I've taken the full penalty of all your Sodom and Gomorrah behavior. I've taken the power of such things over you. Look to me again and again. We need Jesus. We need the gospel to come to our city over and over with mercy and forgiveness and love to snatch our hearts back to him to to see that in him the city that we are slaves in has been destroyed once and for all by Jesus that by his shame and his suffering the fact that he didn't survive but died because of it says that by his grace and mercy and salvation, you and I can be survivors of Sex City. This church service, the songs, the fellowship, as we'll get to the Lord's Supper, man, you need some forgiveness. Need some hope today. Need some healing from this thing that's so sobering and hard and heavy on us. This is Jesus coming to you right where you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's been done to you. But if you look to Jesus as your Savior, you know that anything that's ever been done to you or you've done has been done to him. And he with a caring forgiveness offers us freedom and hope in this thing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've been hurt, violated, we violated, And we need someone to snatch our heart out of the condemnation and fear. We need you, Jesus, to snatch us out of trying to fix it ourselves. Help us to hear and look to your grace and your salvation and your forgiveness. Take us by the hand and lead us into freedom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.